when you're broken, even when your heart is telling you, telling you to give up. When your hope is stolen, you can't see where you're going. You don't have to be afraid. So what are you waiting? What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? What do you have to lose your insecurities? They try to hold to you, but you know you're made for more. So don't be afraid to move. Your faith is all it takes, and you can walk on the water, walk on the water too. Yesterday, um, I got to go to Cersei with Cassandra, and we worked on an all-state music on a workshop, and Harding University got up and sang, and they said, we're going to have church today, so um, if y'all know the words to this song, get and just sing along, and they sang this African piece, and we were all sitting there going, really? (laughs) Well, we're going to sing an old one today, and I'm here to tell you, I bet all of you know it. So, if you know the words of this song, sing along.
I believe Miss Marlene has our special this morning. I do have special today and was unprepared, but sent back there thinking at the beginning of the year, we did a, a little demonstration here where we all took cards and put our commitments uh, for the upcoming year. And many of us put that we wanted a closer walk with God. And I want everybody, whether you sing or not, pull out one of the Heavenly Highway hymns and turn to page 19. Isn't it 19? 19. And whether you sing a tune or not, read the words. And I want everybody to sing just a closer walk with us.
everybody for your attendance here this morning. Hope you picked up a bulletin on the way in and just got notes and stuff everywhere. There we go. Head to 1 Kings chapter 18. I would just want to say thanks to all those that uh, use their talents for the honor and glory of God. Uh, our musicians, the choir did a great job. Jordan, awesome job singing. Uh, where'd Jordan go? Wait, ah, there you are. Okay. Got to get your hand above your head. All right. And uh, good job. I appreciate you. And uh, just uh, appreciate seeing everybody. I always have to hunt around to find uh, Darren and Angie wherever they're sitting. They're always moving around and sitting. In. That, y'all need to try that. Just sit in a different spot every now and then. You say, well, you can't find me. Well, that's fine. Be here anyway. Okay. It doesn't matter. The Lord knows where you're sitting. Okay. He knows where you're at. And he knows exactly what's in your heart this morning. He also knows if you desire a closer walk with him. I I pray that you do. I pray that you are reading your Bible more, praying more, studying more. Uh, We have an old-fashioned Western movie. I love Westerns. Love them. And uh, just... I like it when the good guys win, and guess what? In this story, we have a shootout. I'm talking an old-fashioned shootout, and the good guy wins. I also like that. Do y'all know we win in the end? <laughs> you know, read the last book of the Bible. We win in the end. We've got a showdown. Meet me, high noon. I'm going to take you out. And Elijah issues a challenge to the modern preachers of the day. Elijah just shows up out of nowhere. We really don't have a whole lot of his story. He's called the Tishbite. Uh, His name, I put it in there, means Yahweh is my God. And surely his life stood for that. His life stood for, hey, I'm going to serve Yahweh. And that was the word for Lord God in Hebrew. And uh, there's a lot of uh, names in the Hebrew uh, language for God. And uh, just, of course, the most, one of the most famous ones, Elohim, the strong one. And he certainly is the strongest one. And there are a lot of other terms that you've heard, El Shaddai, El Adonai, different things. Uh, you know, the Lord is my provider. He provides everything. The Lord is my sustainer. And, of course, the word El, the prefix there, if you ever see that, El Shaddai, El Adonai, different things, is the El means strong. And so in looking at this, uh, Yahweh is Lord, Master, if you will. Uh, He's the one I follow, and I pray that you follow Him this morning. If you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to get you right, get you ready. Don't worry, we are going to look at a lot of the chapter. won't read the whole thing to you while you're standing up. Thank you for standing, just as a respect for the reading. 1 Kings chapter 18, beginning with verse 17. And it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, 
and thou hast followed Balaam. Let us pray. Father, we ask this morning that you would help us as we look to your word for these principles, for guidance, for encouragement this morning. I pray that in our lives that we would not forsake you, but we would follow you that we would stand up for you, that we would witness when we have the opportunity, that we would invite others, that we would be excited about your word, that we would desire revival in our hearts, in our lives. Please be with every heart this morning. May your Holy Spirit be in control of this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. This first part I just simply call the charge. And this was the condition of the day that people had left following the Lord in a very popular religion. Now, the worship of Baal, it goes way back and it's a derivative of, uh, if you've ever heard a term called Beelzebub, which is another name for Satan. That literally means the Lord of the flies, the Lord of the decomposing ones, the Lord of of uh, corruption, because that flies had to do with decomposition and corruption and whatnot. And and Satan, one of his names, he has a lot of names, and that is Beelzebub. The prefix on there, Baal. And there's a whole study on that about Balaam. Thou hast followed Balaam. You're going after a whole other God. You've left. It'd be kind of like our nation was founded. Don't believe what secular people tell you. Look it up yourself. Excuse me, my voice is still changing. I don't care. I'm going to preach hard anyway. But look it up yourself. It's it's true. Our nation was founded as a Judeo-Christian nation. And it was founded upon the principles of God's Word. Now, it wasn't exactly a Baptist nation or a Catholic nation. It was just Judeo-Christian. In other words, the worship of this God, that they wanted freedom. And our nation was founded with freedom. Now, we are losing our freedoms. They are because of uh, 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 secularism, because of trying to uh, this thing come up. A lot of people say, well, the Constitution talks about the separation of church and state. It doesn't in any single instance talk about the separation of church and state. But that goes back, there's a whole history of it, I can tell you after church. But it was all based on one court decision, based on a letter by Thomas Jefferson to the Danbury Baptist. And it's just an interesting history how that came to be. But nevertheless, all we need to realize is, is our nation is drifting away from the way it all began. And our, you know, just think about it. Many of you who, especially if you're 50 years old or older in this room, you have seen the slide. You've seen the shift. And even me in my mid-40s, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see the shift in our country and in our nation. Shifting away from God. Shifting away to, to just simply saying, it's whatever you want to believe. And that's exactly what Ab- excuse me, Ahab and Jezebel embraced. Now you're talking about an evil king 
with an evil wife. Just back up one page. If you have your Bible open, just basically we're going to camp out in 1 Kings 18. But back up to the story in 1 Kings 16, verse 29. It says, uh, And in the thirty and eighth year of Asa, king of Judah, now that's the southern kingdom, began Ahab, the son of Omri, to reign over Israel, the northern kingdom. And Ahab reigned over Israel, Samaria, twenty-two years. Ahab, the son of Omri, notice verse 30. Matter of fact, I have it underlined in my Bible. Did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. So that's like saying, our, you know, you can respect an office, but definitely this guy is bad news for the office of king or president. And it came to pass as if, notice this, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and he took the wife of Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. So then he married somebody. It'd be kind of like this. Whenever you marry somebody that believes totally different than you, or that you both have a tendency to go astray, Basically, somebody's going to pull somebody down. And Jezebel was definitely pulling Ahab in the wrong direction. Not that he cared. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove. And Ahab did, notice this in verse 33, and that's the last one we're going to read here. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Folks, leaders make God mad or glad. Hey, leaders make me mad and glad. And certainly Ahab and Jezebel were notorious evil leaders in that day. And so the, the charge is, as a matter of fact, uh, be, this is, if you back up and read, this is the third year of the drought. Remember, Elijah prayed and there was a drought. It lasted, according, if you compare Old Testament and New Testament Scripture, three and a half years. So they're going through a rough time. And matter of fact, it had been, it had done trickled down that, I, excuse me, Elijah's the one that prayed and Ahab said, hey, are you the one that prayed? But basically this, and you know, they're talking about right now, uh, gas prices this summer just going may may go through the roof. Well, that may be so. We just have to slow down and walk, carpool, or whatever we have to do. We're fixing to go over to the uh, uh, Philippines here in a, just a, about three weeks or so, three and a half weeks. Over there, I was talking to a fellow on the plane back whenever I was riding back with uh, Trey, and I was trying to talk to him about the Lord. His name was Michael Ong. He's a computer guy, and he was saying, and he went over to Boston and did some computer work, and I, I, did, I messaged him on Facebook, and I said, what's the biggest difference? He grew up in Manila, in America and the Philippines. He said, no jeepneys. Over there, nobody, they, they're too poor. They don't own a vehicle. They just get around by public transportation. Of course, we don't live in a city. We don't live in crowded environments, but there's no... He said, over there, you, just, you can ride with anybody. You can hop on the back of a motorcycle. You can put five people on the motorcycle. I mean, 
I mean, I've been on the motor, motorcycle. I've never done this in my life with four other people. I say, if I burp, somebody's flying off, okay? And uh, it was crowded on that motorcycle with four people. And so we're all on there doing this. But they can get around. With, folks, God has Israel where he wants them. How's that? They're, they're going through an uncomfortable situation. Friday, I've got my eyes a little still swollen. I had an eye procedure done. And uh, I didn't know he was going to do it. And he said, well, you're going to have to do this. And he said, you can let it go if you want to. Then he said the magic word. Could develop into cancer. I said, cut it out, okay? And so Shalazon thing, and and uh, took him five minutes to do. Took me, because I'm prone to passing out, 30 minutes to recover from the five-minute procedure. And uh, it, it was not very comfortable. But, folks, that's sometimes where God has to put us before he gets our attention. He has to put us in an uncomfortable position. They've been in a drought for three years and Ahab says, are you the one troubling Israel? Are you the one causing all this discomfort? Nobody has any food or water. It's a famine now. It's a drought. Maybe our nation... I mean, if we're drifting, folks, if we are drifting, maybe God has to put us in an uncomfortable position or situation. We go on to see. He says, okay... You think I'm doing this? Well, you're the one leading our whole nation away from God. Okay? You're leading us away from God. And I tell you what, I, you want to think that you believe what's correct? Gather all your preachers up. And matter of fact, there was uh, the prophets of Baal, and then the other, they called them the prophets of the grove. You know what that was? Baal had a female goddess that was attached to prostitution sexuality. I mean, this was, if you wanted to have a, a promiscuous religion, this was it. And so, you've got a male god and a female god, Ashtaroth. And so, gather the 450 of Baal, the 400 prophets of the grove, and that's 850, and I'll take them all on. Elijah, one guy, 850 preachers on the other side. Y'all ready for this showdown? I'm telling you, we're fixing to have a shootout. Oh, by the way, God's only got one bullet. That's all He needs. Okay, you ready? So, He said, well, i tell you what. You think I'm troubling Israel? I, you bring all your preachers and we're going to meet on Mount Carmel. Miss, <clears throat> Miss Francis has been there. Miss Barbara and them have been there. Babs has been there. There's a statue there commemorating Elijah. It, this is his most famous standoff and event. Let's see what happens. Okay, verse 19. Gather to me all of Israel unto Mount Carmel, the prophets of Baal 450 and the prophets of the groves, which that the people in charge of the goddess of Ashtaroth, which was uh, Baal's female counterpart, uh, which eat at Jezebel's table. That was her church, by the way. Her church. He had his church. She had her church. He said, well, bring all your preachers on. Ahab said, okay, I'll get them all together. Verse 20. Verse 21, Elijah came to the people and he said, now this is basically this, the challenge. He challenged the false prophets. He challenged the people. He said, look! Don't you realize what's going on? I mean, you're just going through your life. Are you going to choose to serve? This is very similar to uh, 
Joshua. In his old age, he said, he said, choose you this day. If you're going to serve the gods of the Canaanites, or you're going to serve God who brought your forefathers out of Egypt into the promised land, what did Joshua say? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Look at what Elijah does with these folks. Look at what he does. He says this. He says, how long, I'm in verse 21, halt you between two opinions? Folks, that, we've got more people in our county. I'll just go ahead and narrow it down. We've got more people in this room right now, and you're straddling the fence. You're so wishy-washy. You I mean you you you're saying I, I'm you sit on the bench, you sit on the sidelines, you play church. And God has no time for playhouse church members or playhouse churches. I mean we straddle in the fence, we say we love God, yet we never tell anybody that we do. We say it in church, but do we say it outside these four walls? I mean that's playing church. That's just playing with God. How long halt you between two opinions? How long are we going to be wishy-washy? Folks, I serve the God. The God. The only God. I don't know who you serve, but I serve the God. And He tears me up when I don't live right, when I don't read right, when I don't come to church. Maybe you are not bothered when you don't live right, read right, do right. Maybe it doesn't bother you. If it doesn't bother you, something might be wrong. If you have any conviction in your heart, Elijah says, I'm gonna, we're gonna see when you die, who's gonna answer and be waiting for you on the other side. And so, he says, but the people, notice here verse 21, the people doing just what you did right are doing right now. They answered him not a word. Not a word. You know why you can't answer not a word naked? Because there is no answer. Elijah's right. And it's not that I'm right, but this book is right. You see what I mean? Alright. Let's keep on going. Next we have the carnage. So Here's the challenge, before I kind of sum it up in these verses, let me lay down the story. He says, okay, there's an old dilapidated altar here, but you just get you a bullock, means a bull, animal here, and I'll have me a bull, and we'll lay it on the altar, and we'll offer it to our God, and whoever's God consumes this sacrifice with fire, that's the real God, and that's the God of this nation, and that's the God that I serve. And he says, okay. And matter of fact, you know, I can't believe they agreed to it. Because I matter, they must have had more faith than Elijah did to think that their God was going to do this. He was, so to speak, the God of the traveler, the God of lightning and thunder. So they figured, well, maybe lightning will come down and hit it and burn up the bullock. Well, he says, uh, pick you one out. Verse 23, he even let them pick their own bull. Take your choice. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. That's what verse 23 says. 
They laid it in the wood, put no fire on it, dress it. All right. And you call. In the middle of verse 24, it says, The God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> My King James Bible says it is well spoken. The way I say it, that sounds like a good idea to me. And that's what they went with. In verse 25, he said, okay, pick one out. And they did. Verse 26, they put the bullock that was given them. They dressed it. They called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon. But there was no voice nor any answered. And they leaped on the altar which was made. Now, verse 27, I go to laughing. And I don't know if you've got a King James Bible like mine, and I, and I, and I love it for its accuracy, and it, I know it's old English, but it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them. Now, I, I, don't, I think God just allowed him to have a little fun at their expense. Because he says, did your God go on vacation? Matter of fact, when it says it, uh, he says for, Either he's talking, or he's pursuing, or he's in a journey, or he's asleep and must be awaked. Basically this, he either went on a journey or he went to the restroom. That's what, I mean, if you look at all those words up, that's what it means, okay? He either went on vacation, or he went to the restroom, or he's asleep and needs to be awakened. And uh, so, and then he's, and he's mocking them, he's making fun of them. And, uh... I don't know if that's scriptural grounds for us to poke fun at uh, other religions, which I don't do. But it, I think it provides us ample room to say this. Whenever other beliefs don't work out, take a look at this Bible. Whenever your situation gets so roughed up, that your system of belief, and you think, well, sex, drugs, rock and roll, live life. I mean, there is so much promiscuity and sex outside of marriage in Ashley County, in our church, that it's just have fun and live life, and I'll enjoy the consequences of it later. Well, actually, that wouldn't be very accurate. I'll just go through the consequences of later. You know, I like the way one preacher said it. You know, when you live life and you have fun and, and, and enjoy all the pleasures of the flesh for a while, and when the feel-good's gone and the getting after it's over, and you have to live with the miserable results after the fact, that's when the rubber meets the road right there. And you have to realize life is not all about pleasing yourself. But that's, hey, listen, reason why do I bring that up? Because that's what the God of Baal and uh, Ashtaroth, his female compadre, who's not going to answer, that's what their church was about. Their church was about uh, uh, pleasures of the flesh. That's what their doctrine, their system of belief was all about. Drink, party, sex, everything. Enjoy life. Aestheticism. Enjoy pleasures, what feels good, Enjoy it and do it. Matter of fact, that's what Satan's all about. It's about pleasing yourself. And that's what his life was about. Or still is. The carnage. 
Matter of fact, when verse 27 happened, what it says is, and I call this the carnage, when he goes to making fun of them, they go berserk. They said, I mean, they know it's the, this will be the time of the evening sacrifice, which is about three o'clock in the afternoon. They're running out of time. And there's, they go to cutting themselves. Oh, he'll get, we'll get his attention by cutting ourselves. Matter of fact, that's almost an epidemic in the United States among some teenagers. They did it to get their God's attention. And a lot of young people do that to get, you can say get attention, or because there's, they're not getting any attention. Home life, home life, home life. If you don't go out of your way to spend time, quality time, quality time, with your, you say, I don't know how to spend quality time with my wife or my kids or my spouse. The only way you have quality time is spend quantity time first. If you spend no time with your family, you're guaranteed to have no quality time. It takes quantity of time to have quality of time. They tried cutting themselves to get their God's attention. Matter of fact, it says in verse 28 that the blood gushed out. That's the carnage. No answer. And it came to pass when midday was passed, and they prophesied until the time of the evening sacrifice, about 3 p.m. There was no voice nor the answer. So Elijah says, okay. <clears throat> Steve Hartshorn is the epitome of consistency. He always conducts funeral services very appropriately and nicely and whenever we go to a graveside like we've done umpteen million times and he's conducted umpteen million graveside services when we gather over there he always says this would everybody please step in a little closer so you can hear what the preacher has to say elijah said that would you please step in a little closer so you can hear what i've got to say witness what i'm about to do are you ready? They did all this, but I don't need to do all that. Here's the key point of what Elijah did. Very first thing, he repaired the altar of the Lord. And I guarantee you right now, there's some family altars in this room right now that need repairing. You're Where you used to pray, where you used to read your Bible, where you used to spend quality time with your kids, investing in your kids, folks, that altar may need to be repaired this morning. There may be an altar in your heart that needs to be repaired. You've been walking your own path long enough. Quit playing with God. There is a broken down altar in your heart right now. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm talking about just going through the motions, playing with God. Elijah repairs the altar of the Lord. And he says, watch this. I'm going to put the bull on there. Watch this. I'm going to lay everything in order. It says he laid everything in order. He said, bring a bunch of barrels of water. I'm summing it all up for you. He said, oh, by the way, what are they in? A drought. Wait, 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 wait. That's drinking water. Don't put the barrels of drinking water. What's he doing? Folks, sometimes, sometimes what you need to put on the altar is what you consider important. What you consider important. Lay it on, give it to God. God will help you through it. 
but you are hanging on to stuff, hanging on to what you think is important. He said, pour it on there. Pour it on there again until the, the Bible says the trenches around that altar overflowed. And he says, watch this. I'm not even going to do, I'm not going to do anything. But just ask God to take it. He prepared it all. After verse 35, he had done it the first time, the second time, the third time. The water was all over the sacrifice, the altar that's been repaired. Verse 36, he calmly calls on the Lord and says, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that Thou art God in Israel, and I am Thy servant, and that I've done all these things that Thy... He didn't do it to show off. He did it because God had asked Him to. Hear me, O Lord, that this people may know that Thou art the Lord God, and Thou hast turned... Thou hast turned their heart back again. Verse 38, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Folks, it wasn't a lightning bolt. It was a blast from heaven. This was fire falling. And it was so incredible. Verse 39 happened. People said, that's the church I want to go to. Folks, by the way, all of these people were convinced during a time that... uh, Three and a half years, not of recession, depression. It's rough. When God, there's an old saying: when it's darkest, the light shines the brightest. Something of that nature. Well, it was pretty dark times, and I don't know what you're going through in your life. Are you going through a bad time, a rough time in your life? Are you going through a time where you're doubting and your marriage is struggling, your relationship with God is struggling, your family life is is hit and miss? Your, I mean, I don't know how how dark does it have to be before God gets your attention? He says, "I'm the only God. Will you serve me?" Most of us, though, serve ourselves our stuff our things our job you can even you can even worship your own family ahead of god be careful with that i'm investing all my time in my kids where are they going to go when they die they know how to cook clean they're educated they got college education but where are they going when they die That's investing. That's investing. You're investing for either to have a good life for 75, 80 years or to have an eternal good life. There's two kinds of investment you can make. 
Elijah said, how long do you halt between two opinions? As we prepare for a hymn of invitation, would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Father, I thank you for this time that we've had together to look at your word. This awesome story in 1 Kings 18 of Elijah's showdown with these false prophets. I pray that we would realize that you are the only true God. Above all that we believe, Lord, you are the most important thing in our lives and in our heart. Father, if there's somebody here that's under conviction, I pray that we wouldn't straddle the fence anymore, that we would become committed to you, maybe rededicate our lives to you and say, I I need to quit playing with this Christianity thing and let Jesus become my Savior, my Lord, and my Master. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would make these words clear this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.